From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast here on this Wednesday. Chase Parm, Neil McCready. Back with you uh, for the uh, show today. Ole Miss losing in the first round of the SEC baseball tournament last night to Vanderbilt. Well, last night and into the early hours of this morning as well. So we'll talk about that, what it means. Got a little college football. We need to get to that too today. Um, Pete Thamel, I think, with the story. Somebody, I don't know. It's all running together on who wrote what, but I think that's it. So we'll uh, we'll talk about those things and get you set up for the rest of the week here on the show. A show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Remember, a few days left of barbecue month at all Blue Sky locations here in Mississippi. You get uh, the full slab of ribs, $16.99. You get the family special where you get some sides with those ribs. I think that's $19.99. You get um, the quarter, you get the drumstick, great prices and all those things and more, again, with the Blue Sky location in Oxford and throughout Mississippi. Lunch special is five sixty nine. Download the Exxon mobile app and all the things you know by now from listening to the show. And again, Neil is in the Clark Ford studio. I am. Uh, yeah, and for people in the thread that are asking, Chase has a little bit of an echo. He's in a hotel room in uh, Hoover on Skype. Am I echoing? Uh, a little bit. Okay. So we'll we'll work on it, but it's just kind of one of those things. It's when we're not in the same room together, tied into the same system. There's there's issues. Okay. Um, I'm in the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. Six six two two five seven nineteen hundred. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within fifteen minutes and business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do. And let's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Guests join on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline uh, this Saturday and Sunday at Sardis Lake Marina. It's the uh, Rafters on the Water Summer Kickoff Party. Fun begins at 11 a.m., goes until 10 p.m. each day. The event features uh, food trucks, including Rafters, Hot Box, Hibachi, Uno Mas, uh, there's a beverage tent with ice-cold bud and frozen margaritas, and they're working on some other things as well. Live music each day starting at 4 p.m. It's the Haggard Collins Band, Opie Band, and others. So see you at Sardis Lake uh, at Rafters on the Water for their summer kickoff party. Talk for one second. I'm actually going to grab my AirPods, and it might help because that way I'm not talking to myself through both systems, and it'll isolate the audio into my ears. So All give right. me 30 sure. seconds. Sure. So Ole Miss loses 3-1. to one. They now wait until Monday. The NCAA Tournament Selection Committee will reveal their work. Late morning on Monday, Ole Miss typically finds out, or Chase typically finds out, probably about the same time Ole Miss does, a couple hours before that, maybe an hour before that, and stuff leaks out because it just does. Um, Ole Miss's chances, not good to get into the tournament. Not dead, but not good. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, other sports news over the over the course of the evening, um, I guess, of any relevance. Um, Florida beat South Carolina. Alabama beat uh, Georgia. And then the Dallas Mavericks avoided being swept last night against Golden State, enduring a rain delay at American Airlines Arena and still beating Golden State to send it back to game five. And 
in uh in San Francisco. That game will be on uh Thursday, I think. I'm back. It may not have helped at all, but I was just trying to uh think of anything I can think of there, so whatever. Um I was making sure all my audio settings are good and they are. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so Ole Miss loses, as you mentioned, three to one to Vanderbilt last night. A game that got started amazingly, I'm gonna say luckily at ten o'clock, uh, was first pitch for that game. When they announced that Florida and South Carolina was going to be a 645 start, I didn't think 10 had any chance in the world of being possible, but credit to the Gators and the Gamecocks. They went extra innings and still got that bad boy played in well under uh, under three hours there between uh, the two of them. Florida winning, beating South Carolina. So the Gamecock season's over. All Early heroes don't wear capes. All heroes don't wear capes. <laughs> um, earlier in the day, you had um, – Alabama moving on. They're 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 a potential bid stealer. We'll get into that in a little while. Kind of where you should look, what you should uh, we uh, what what what's going on. But um, they are a potential bid stealer. Alabama, if they got hot, they won a couple more games, and then um, yeah. If you're an Ole Miss fan today, if that game gets played, you're cheering for Arkansas. Yes, hundred percent. Put Alabama out, be done with that, and then obviously the nightcap was not played. Ole Miss was the last game of the day for uh for that one. So. Yeah, look, Ole Miss season ends 32-22. They go 14-16 in the SEC. They lose in the first round to Hoover. They win the Governor's Cup. They're two games under 500 in the league. The RPI fell from 36 to 39. We can get into the minutia of the game, but I don't think it's overly relevant except for how it might affect something if they do get in. Um, RPI falls to 39, and it's going to continue to fluctuate and move. If you told me to guess, I would I would guess that by Sunday it's 40-41. And that starts getting into danger zone. I've talked about this a lot. Uh, for teams that are two games under 500 or worse in the SEC, only one has ever made the NCAA tournament, and that was Texas A&M in 2014. And that team had uh, 10 top 25 wins. Ole Miss is seven and seven against the top 25, but they're one and five against, uh, or I guess seven and eight against the top 25 now. One and six against 26 through 50. When you look at RPI numbers for Ole Miss and you know, the the bid stealing, as we'll talk about, is is a key here because, and I don't know that we do a good job. I don't know that I do a very good job of this. Is that the media gets so caught up in, well, you know, 14 does it or 15 does it or 13 does it. And there are ways to tabulate that. I mean, we know that teams that have Ole Miss's resume and its current numbers, there have been 13 of those since 2002 and six have gotten into the NCAA tournament. So that's essentially a coin flip as they move into Monday. But even more so than basketball, there's a lot of upsets in conference baseball tournaments. Teams don't give a crap. Teams that are already in are not busting their tail to win on a Sunday. So you have bid stealers. So if six automatic bids, or sorry, at-large bids get removed, basic math tells me that's taking numbers off the bubble. There's no longer those spots available. So until Sunday gets here, we don't know what that looks like. You need to cheer for Wofford in the Sun in the SoCon because they're going to win it either way. You need to cheer for UConn in the, in the Big East tournament. You need to pull for Cliff and East Carolina in the American because they're already in the tournament, obviously, and if they don't win it, that's stealing a bid. You've got three teams in the Sun, in the sun Belt that are already in the tournament, Coastal, um, Texas State and somebody else that I'm forgetting right now off the top of my head, Old Dominion maybe, and they're already in. So if, if somebody else wins the tournament, that's a bid steal. Southern Miss, La Tech, are we in, in, the, in Conference USA? If somebody else wins, that's a bid steal. So we don't know the number right now. Um, my guess is that Ole Miss needs a lot of help just leaving the park last night. I talked to a lot of people from an SEC NCAA side, talking to Kendall and those guys who are pretty good at their projections. 
and Ole Miss needs to cheer for a lot of chalk because I think if I had to lean one way or other on the coin flip, I think they're going to have to get a little lucky. I think that the more likely scenario is that the season is probably over at this point. If they get in, they're they're getting basically the last bid, and you're going wherever that slot is remaining on the on the schedule. You mentioned earlier you can't be picky about where it's going at this point. Who's of the Power Five teams? You mentioned bid steals of the Power Five teams that are competing for that last at large spot or two. Which ones should people be cheering against? Uh, Clemson is the most interesting one to me. Um, I know it's not Power Five, but I mentioned UConn a second ago. If they lose today or tomorrow, they're probably out. So that turns the Big East into a one bid league either way. I think that's important. Um, you want Gonzaga to win. You don't want the Big West to get funny out there with Santa Barbara or somebody, you know, with somebody else out there. Um, Clemson, though, is the one that Aaron Fitt pointed out last night, and I thought this was pretty interesting because usually the SEC is on the other side of this. I'm reading here from from Aaron's Twitter. He says Clemson versus Ole Miss will be a fascinating bubble discussion. If the Tigers beat Virginia Tech, the Tigers and Rebs will be 14 and 17 in their conference, but Clemson will have a higher RPI, and Clemson did go 5 and 0 versus the FS, the SEC for whatever that's worth. Committee also says it has no conference quotas, but will it take an 11th ACC team? Because that's a ton of ACC teams. That's a lot. How many SEC teams are locks right now? It's like eight. Uh, yeah, it's the eight ahead of Ole Miss in the standings. That is correct. Might work. Ole Miss will be the ninth team in. Alabama's trying to fight that. Kentucky sort of, kind of, is trying to fight that, yeah. but they'd have to get to the final or something. They'd have to get super hot. Yeah. No, it, it's not good. I mean, it's and it's 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 how fickle this is. Is what I wrote last night. Is Ole Miss if they if they don't get in again? Look, they could easily get in. I don't know. It's it's it, we don't know yet. We don't know what's going on. We don't know who's going to win these conference tournaments. If so, I'd love to go to Vegas and bet on it. But if they don't get in, they will have finished one game short because, frankly, they haven't played well enough to not be one game short. This is kind of who they are. It's what they've done is, is not be consistent throughout this season. You know, League losses matter, and when you lose the games, it doesn't matter how you lost them. They pile you up. You got swept by Alabama in Oxford. You lost two out of three to Mississippi State in Oxford. Yeah. You lost two out they of three at South Carolina. Nine at home in the SEC. I mean, yeah, six and nine in fifteen home games. They lost. They lost at least one game at South Carolina that they should have won. They lost two games at Arkansas that they could have won. One that they probably should have won. Those pile up. Those matter. What? Now I'm laughing at Grind's quote and the thing. I mean. It is. It's kind of. It is kind of beating a dead horse. This is. This is a team that. It's like Andy Kennedy always said, that you are what the numbers say you are, not what the numbers say you almost were, what the numbers say you are. The committee's yeah, going to look yeah. at them and go. They're not very good. They're the ninth. A tradition. Yeah, sorry, we're not in the same place. So we're going to talk over each other a little bit. It, it, it's a tradition unlike any other. Vanderbilt's going to have a freshman that throws really well in Hoover. Last night they did that. Carter Holton was fantastic. He shut out Ole Miss for six innings. He is now not allowed a run in his last 24 innings, spread across four appearances. He's going to be an ace for Vanderbilt down the road at some point. Hell, if he's not already. Um, he was great. He was. Mike called him terrific, and he was. 
Last night, they couldn't hit. They don't hit elite pitching very well. It's actually the one trademark of Mike's teams usually in the past that they will get after aces and really work them, and they have not done that this year. That is, This has not been an, a, a characteristic team from that standpoint. Ole Miss was 0 for 15 with runners on base until Justin Bench had the, the single that scored the one run in the seventh inning. They went third. They went twelve innings without a run. When you go from Saturday to Tuesday and the, the 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 hiatus between runs there, and they finished one for seventeen and one for six for runners on base and runners in scoring position. They just didn't do anything with the opportunities they had because they had some opportunities. The Bradfield kid changed the game in the, in first, the first inning, inning. because yep. they would have had runner on first and third with one out. They would have had a chance to get a lead right there, get some momentum. Bradfield makes one hell of a diving, diving play that nobody else in the country makes. Yep. And when he does that, that that changed that the dynamic of that inning. But look, Vanderbilt's good. Bradfield's good. They're going to make plays. And that's my point is they really just lost a baseball game. It's that they got in a situation to where that baseball game mattered that was the problem, not that they lost a baseball game last night. Those are not the same thing. No, absolutely and not. That's, absolutely that's what not. happened to Ole Miss. It's just so, like in the SEC basketball tournament. When you get into the SEC tournament, you're like, okay, if we just win this one, and then you don't, everybody goes, well, they choked. You didn't choke. You lost it earlier in the year. You lost when you lost all those games in the middle of the season that if you'd won those, this wouldn't have meant so much. I mean, it's like, you know, you want to be in the spot where Texas A&M is right now. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. I mean, that's the goal. And that's that's where you want to be. You don't want the SEC tournament to mean so much. And it did. And when it does, that's usually a bad sign. And that's the thing about it. I mean, if you're going to the baseball carnival or the basketball carnival and it means something, that usually means you're in trouble. It means you underachieved. And this team did. It absolutely did. It underachieved, and it's where it is. And look, the the elephant in the room is Mike Bianco's status. I'll say it. I don't. I I don't. I don't think there's much of a path to him being the coach at Ole Miss next season, especially today. I mean, the path got really narrow now. I mean, it's it's. I'm not sure that all four wheels are on the path anymore to piggyback on the narrative, on the analogy that I used the other day. I, I, you might have three wheels on, but you're you're spinning. Well, I mean, look, we've talked about it. I mean, and it's, it's, it's right there. I mean, I think the path to keep his job most likely was to get to a super regional at least, maybe beyond that. And, I mean – I mean, I'm not, not trying to be a jerk with people on the stream or you or anybody else, but the only way to get to a super regional is get into a regional. So when the odds of getting into a regional and yeah. are fifty percent or worse, well the you know, the job security of Mike Bianco is not very good. Um winning the thing is definitely not good if you can't get in and you're not playing consistently enough to to go to somebody else's team's place that's been a top sixteen team in the country and go still one. That's that's a hard thing to do. Mike's never done it. He's been in a position to do it one time, and he went over two. That was in 2012. And, you know, we've debated back and forth. What does Mike know? What does he not know? I, I, I don't know. I don't know that answer. I will say, we talked about this earlier in the week, and I talked to some people yesterday who agreed with me. Schlossnagel's tweet was maybe the most revealing thing of the week because it's it's helping the buddy out. It's clear they talked about it to some extent. For those that don't aren't aware, what did, what did he tweet? Uh, he called him one of the basically the best program builder of his generation. He compared him to Ron Frazier, Skip Bertman, and maybe somebody else, and said that 
you know, they had a hell of an atmosphere in Oxford, and then he uses he is a preeminent pro program builder, is what he said. Some version of that. Yeah, I took that the same way you did. That felt like he had talked to his friend, and he was coming out in public support of his friend. I don't I don't know that he says that if Ole Miss is twenty one and nine, and you know, I, in fact, I'm fairly sure he doesn't because at that point you're recruiting against him. Um, <laughs> you know, you that that felt like. A friend supporting a friend. And then I posted this on the board, um, and people had already known it. I mean, it hasn't really been a secret. Mike will have two kids at Ole Miss next year as students. But that doesn't – They Catherine is not playing baseball for him. So that has no indication, positively or negatively, about whether or not he believes he is the head baseball coach at Ole Miss next year. Um, you've got uh, Sam coming back. He started his career at Louisiana Lafayette. Went to a JUCO. He's coming to Ole Miss as just a student next year. So, the, again, that, that is not indicative of anything. That is not a sign of, of Mike believing he is back or not back at that point for uh, for next season. They will have a normal week. They'll practice probably even maybe today doing a little bit. They'll practice later in the week. They're going to operate as they're in the tournament until they're not in the tournament, which is what you do. It's what you should do. You, you're, you're figuring out arms. You're figuring out who needs to throw. You might even be doing some sim games over the next few days. I mean, I the team took it really hard last night. I don't, you know, I don't know if they necessarily, in those words, knew they needed to win to get in. I don't know if it's the you're just losing a tournament that, frankly, Ole Miss puts a lot of stock into. I, I don't know what the reasons are. You know, Dylan Delucia was almost inconsolable last night. He he's cared more than I'm not gonna say more than anybody, but he's outwardly cared more than anybody we've talked to over the last few weeks. He was really struggling. He had a hard time doing the interview. You could tell that they, they were they were they were a beat up team last night. Um, and there's a lot of indecision. I mean, somebody asked Mike, said it was sus. He said, you know, what do you what do you tell them about the next few days? How do you help them handle it? And Mike, not in a in a in a bad way, he goes, you know, what what do you want us to do? You want to take the iPhones from them? That you know, they're obviously going to see the internet. It's the world we live in. You handle it maturely. You had a chance to control things. You didn't do it. And you know you don't have control anymore, and you got to deal with that. You got to deal with the fact that you didn't play well, coach well, and, and 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 get it done when you had the opportunity. And this is the consequence of being in that place. So that's where Ole Miss is sitting right now. And you get to, you know, you get to you get to Monday, and we'll we'll see if that's thing they'll said. If they get in, they're going to be a three somewhere. They're going to um um get shipped anywhere in the country. And at that point you're just looking for an opportunity, but it's a, it's a pretty tough road. And I, I would, I'm, I would kneel. I mean, if you're putting, if you're doing something from a stock standpoint with, with his job security, you're probably trying to sell and get a little profit right now. Yeah. And I've had some people ask, and I don't know if I have, you've had to, when do you expect something along those lines? Well, first, I don't know. first um, of all, there's nothing till Monday because you have to wait and see whether they made the tournament. And then, um, Keith Carter, I'm assuming, will be at the SEC spring meetings on Monday. And the people that, in a scenario where Mike is let go, the people that he's going to be targeting are coaching baseball next weekend. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if it were late next week or even if it, even if there was a week of, of nothing. I don't know that mm-hmm. I would read anything into that. Uh, he's, we'll talk about some of the SEC topics here, here in a bit. I mean, he's, he's going to be in Destin dealing with a lot of big picture topics that are going to shape the future of his program, the future of the league and all of those things for uh, years to come. So I, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if Keith was in Oxford before Thursday of next week. 
yeah, just to meet with Mike in general. He's just logistically, it would be a hard thing to do, no matter what what, what he's doing from uh, from that point. And I want to want to hit a couple of things in the thread. I'll do that in a second. First, talk about community mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. You're getting local underwriting and understand your market. Leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Brought to you by Holcomb Portable Buildings, 7991 Highway 7 South in Holcomb, Mississippi. They custom build your building to the, uh, your specifications. However you want your carport, your storage shed, your barn, hunting cabin, other buildings, Holcomb Portable Buildings can accommodate you. You pick the color, the style, the windows, and the doors, and Holcomb makes it happen. In-house financing is available, free delivery and set up within 75 miles of Holcomb. For more information, call 662 226 2233 or go to com or find them on Facebook or Instagram at Holcomb Portable Buildings. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dead Soxy. Um, did you know that Dead Soxy makes custom socks? Whether you're rallying the team or building an empire, where you put your logo matters and you can't afford to put it on half rate swag, Dead Soxy will help you create premium custom socks that you can stake your reputation on. Uh, on top of that, cool custom socks will make a lasting impression on clients, investors, employees, and donors. You don't have to have design skills. Dead Soxy does it all. They design The design's always free. Just share your vision, vision and bring it to life. They'll create uh, digital mock-ups of designs and present them to you before any orders are placed. Best of all, we're talking about the same premium retail quality Dead Soxy socks are known for, but designed for you with your logo. The minimum order is 120 pairs of the same style. The lead time is six to eight weeks. So get your project started now. Go to deadsoxy.com backslash custom to check out what they do with custom socks. Mention you heard this ad on MPW Digital or on Rebel Grove, and you get $100 off all custom orders now. That's deadsoxy.com backslash custom. Game Changer Patches are the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. Warm-up patch is used before or while you drink. The overtime patch is used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game, ready for the next play. Go to GameChangerPatch.com, promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. ACS is owned and operated by Clay McNutt in Baldwin, Mississippi. It's a complete electrical control system solution provider, a Rockwell Automation Recognized System Integrator. They have a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL508A panel shop. They can custom tailor software packages, custom design, electrical control panel solutions, and much, much more. It's ACSLLCMS.com or call 662-601-4381. And we're brought to you by Landman's Fine Jewelry, Landman's 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford has been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, and more. Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. Visit them at lamonsfinejewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. Podcast is brought to you by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They stay on South Lamar in Oxford or with Tyson Drugs on the Square in Holly Springs. They deliver locally in the Oxford area and they offer medicine. A few prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. One delivery, one pickup, and you have everything you need once a month when you need it with G&M. Also, remember, just give them a call and they will transfer your medications from your big big box pharmacy competitors. All you have to do, make one fall, one call, they'll take care of the rest. Again, that is G&M 
on South Lamar, 662-236-2222. Somebody said Mike's getting more animus with the media. He actually wasn't. He's being more honest, but hardly any of it is actually in a tone that is carrying any animosity of anything. If anything, he's been a little better to deal with. He's been, um, I'd say lighter. I don't know if that's the right word, but I do think there is a certain freedom to his interviews that is interesting that I have not encountered as much in recent. I mean, 10 years ago, it would have been a whole different tone than it is now. It's even in the last six, seven weeks, which comes back to what he knows or he doesn't know. It's it. There's a, there's a, there's a marked difference. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not in his head. I don't know what he thinks or doesn't think, but I'm just telling you, he comes across as a guy who's just sort of being honest and really is carrying no, um, no animosity at all. So take that for what it's, uh, take that for what it's worth. I know people probably want us to talk about it, but I just now saw it. I have not read Lane's interview with Ross Dellinger, um, so I have an inability to really discuss it because I'm trying to skim it, but it's going to have to be a tomorrow thing because I simply have not been able to read it yet. I'll read you some of the quotes. I just saw it. I was pulling it up, reading it as you were talking. Um, it says one that he said many times, we're a professional sport and they are professional players. I can tell you this for a little bit of background, and I'll get into some quotes in a minute. Um. The whole Lane Kiffin getting muzzled by the league is kind of a false narrative. He was not told he could not do that interview. He was asked not to do it because the league needed to talk to some people. The league was very unhappy with Jimbo Fisher. And most people around the league, frankly, and look, I'm not saying Nick Saban was altruistic here, telling the truth he wasn't. I mean, Nick Saban was self-serving and everything that Nick Saban always is. But most of the league feels the same way Nick Saban does about NIL. I'm, I'll, I'll steal this. It's from Ryan Brown in Birmingham. But it's an analogy that, that he's used on his show, and I think he's gotten it from some people inside the league, which is NIL in the eyes of the league a little bit is this – Brand new highway without posted speed signs, okay? There's no speed limit sign. And the view is everyone's going to go fast, but you know dangerous when you see it. You know, a car hurtling down the highway. Sure. And they feel like A&M is just flying 200 miles an hour down this highway, double the speed of damn near anyone else. A&M's defense is, hey, there's no speed limit. That's generally the analogy. I, I'm not going to argue this with people. I, I'm on the record. I think the genie's out of the bottle, the toothpaste out of the tube. I don't think there's any going back. I think it's done. Um, I think at some point it's going to look like whining. But Lane Kiffin is at a program that cannot compete with what's going on at Texas A&M, Ever. It's never going to be able to do that. There's People can get as mad at me as you want to. You know I'm telling the truth. Ole Miss cannot. If Alabama can't play that game, and it can't, Ole Miss can't play it. And so the people that want NIL regulation, NIL legislation, they want the federal government to get involved, and I still don't know how, the, how in the world that works, they're all kind of on that same page. And that's going to be a major topic of conversation in Destin. And – Kiffin agrees with Saban much more than he agrees with with Jimbo Fisher. And it was mentioned in the thread I, when you, you and I told me we'll, we'll just hit this in 15 seconds. Um, 
we both believe Sankey would have stopped Jimbo had he known what Jimbo was doing. This is not a, hey, punish Kiffin or Ole Miss and not punish Saban or Fisher. I don't – it it sounds more and more and more like he had no idea that's what was coming. He didn't. He he thought – what I'm told is he thought that Jimbo was basically going to get on the stage and reiterate the same diatribe that he had when Kiffin more playfully called A&M out. Mm-hmm. He thought it was going to be a repeat of that, which is, hey, we're not breaking any laws. We're following the rules. We're not doing anything wrong. Essentially, you know, quit insulting these young men, blah, blah, blah. And instead he got super personal. And it was the personal stuff that got all of the headlines. But if you go back and read what Nick Saban said at that meeting at the Alabama World Games thing or whatever, One, Nick Saban was essentially telling all those money people in the room, hey, this is the way it works, and if it's not going to get changed, we either are going to have to come up with this kind of cash or we're not going to be able to keep up anymore. It's essentially what he said. Yeah, he was talking to his boosters in the room. So here's a quote from Kiffin. It's a quote. This is in Sports Illustrated. Is this from the – is this the – there are all kinds of issues? Um, I'm just reading the first quote. Okay, that's not the one. I've got one that I find really, really interesting. So this is one that he says, and again, this is this is people get frustrated at local media. This this is why Lane Kiffin doesn't deal with local media. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do seven of these interviews where people are going to ask him. Because here's the problem. This is the problem with local media. Most of the people on our beat, if they got access to Lane Kiffin for a sit down wouldn't ask a lot of NIL stuff. They'd start asking about what's going on with your depth at wide receiver. What's good? And, and he doesn't want to do that, and that's why he doesn't do these. It's, 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 it's exactly why. I get it. I actually defend him. I've made a lot of people angry on our beat because I've said I don't blame him. You can get Ross Dellinger to come to Oxford and sit down for an hour or whatever it was and get your message across and without having to have one conversation about, hey, do you have enough defensive line depth and stuff like that? He's not going there. He doesn't want to talk about it. You know that. That's All that stuff gets played out on the scoreboard. He likes big picture stuff. And so the fact that he sat down with Dellinger tells me that there was no muzzle put on him or anyone else it was just don't go on this radio show where dan patrick's going to grill you on nick saban and jimbo fisher and he's going to try to get you to say something funny say something inflammatory that's going to kick this off again because like i said earlier in the week all you have to have is one loose cannon and let's face it there's one in college station right now who goes all right i'll tell you one and boom now you're off to the races but here's the quote so i've said from the beginning players should get paid they do the work why they should be limited to a scholarship check, I disagree with. And they shouldn't be paid all equal. That's not what happens in the real world. Why does their best player get paid the same as their worst player? That's not real life. There's just not a system. It was, okay, open it up. No system behind it. I'm sure some people saw these things coming, and a lot of people didn't. These collectives, you basically made what was cheating before legal. You had no rules behind it. You've created something that was going to have a ton of issues to think these things weren't going to do, go, go this direction once you allowed boosters to do whatever they wanted. And then um, Ross says, how much is NIL money determining where a recruit attends school? 
And Kiffin says, you take a 17-year-old who, a lot of them, don't come from money and family doesn't come from money. If any person tells you that their NIL is not the number one thing, take 100 of them and ask about the number one thing that's going to make the decision. It's not the size of the stadium, not the head coach, not the campus or the conference. The number one thing will be money. And how would you blame them? A professional player already has money, and they usually follow the money in free agency. So when you don't have it and are three or four years away from getting money in the NFL, you take what is guaranteed. How can you blame them when a lot of them never make it to the NFL? How do you not take it? It's totally changed recruiting. I joke all the time about it, facilities and all that. Go ahead and build facilities and these great weight rooms and training rooms, but you ain't going to have any good players in them if you don't have any NIL money. I don't care who the coach is or how hard you recruit. That is not going to win over money. He's right. He also is of the opinion that this model would be sustainable to those programs. They would do it year over year over year over year. And I agree with him. I completely agree with him. I know you and I are on different pages on this. Yeah. I, I, I think I think Texas A&M fans are going to look out on the field. And look, we in the media are going to get hung up every time they lose a game. Oh, boy, see, there it is. I've just talked to too many people, Chase, who tell you that when you look on the field this year, you're going to see so much talent that anyone who's looking with an objective eye knows exactly where this is headed. He's going right. Jimbo is going right where Kirby went at Georgia, where you just accumulate so much talent that it just doesn't matter. The winning becomes inevitable. And I think at a place like A&M, when that happens, the money's going to keep flowing in. There's a lot of stuff here. There's a quote about how he kind of sees college football recruiting in three tiers, the eight or ten that can really get in this game, ones that can get in portal game, a different game that obviously Ole Miss would be in, and then some other schools. But the one that I find most fascinating is Dellinger had asked him about, and I'm going to read the quote, and it's a little long, but y'all hang with us here with us at this point. Um, how this impacts the locker room when you've got kids doing all these things and making this money and more, and just like you know the professional nature that's so new to this. And he says, quote, there are all kinds of issues that are coming. Let's say reports are true and some high school quarterback is making six to eight million dollars. How's that going to work? How's he going to come into the locker room? Are the coaches going to need to play him or donors going to be mad when he's not playing? The first round pick, the donor drafts. I've been in that situation. The people uh, paying that are going to want the guy to play. If he's not playing, how's the backup quarterback who's earning just a scholarship check going to play over him? You've got all kinds of issues to come. Professional sports have done it for a long time. They've figured it out. Ideally, it would be some type of cap. Different people making different money, but there's a reason for it. When they really figure it out, incoming guys get less. The NFL figured out the cap better in the rookie contract years ago. The rookies were making more than the 10-year vets. They fixed that. That's a major problem in college. Right now, you've got good players who are returning starters or not making anything because people are paying the ones coming in, trying to get in bidding awards. People are going to criticize me for saying people are paying them to come in by, by saying that's not what is happening. That is exactly what is happening. That's an interesting thing is that you've got, at least right now, the trickle down to where the guys who are probably the most productive on the field are making so much less than incoming guys. And that is that, that is a that is an incredible dynamic that we that I haven't necessarily put through my head all the way around. Yeah, it's. And it's not unionized, right, where, you know, that happens like. In the NBA. Jabari Smith is getting ready to go almost certainly to Orlando, number one, the former Auburn player. He's going to walk into the Magic making a lot more money than some of the guys on the roster. 
But no one's going to really hold that against him because they understand that there's a slotting system in those leagues, like there is in Major League Baseball, right, with contracts, with NFL, with contracts. You know that the guy taken first is going to make more money than the guy taken fourth and seventh and tenth and 28th. You know that the first – everyone in that locker room knows that a first-round pick gets a guaranteed deal and that a second-round pick doesn't. And so they might think, hey, man, the, the front office made a mistake, but they don't, they're not mad at the kid. They're not mad at if, – if Jabari Smith ends up not being a great player, and for the record, I think he will be, but if he doesn't end up being a great player, the Magic players aren't going to hold that against him. They might hold it against the front office, but they're not going to hold it against him because the kid just got drafted and got the slotted amount of money for being the number one pick in the draft. So – but in college, you don't have it. And this is Kiffin's point, and it's a good one. There's no system in place. And so it's just it's just haywire. I've read through most of the answers. I haven't read them in doubt. We'll obviously hit some of it with more context when we both have a chance to really read through it all. And it's what Kiffin has said is that it's not it's above his pay grade, it's above his responsibility level. He believes it can it will operate in some instance that it's in now. I mean, Congress isn't taking a step tomorrow or anytime soon. That's a year away. The NCAA has little teeth and hasn't really done much to try to find ways to reform it other than wanting to slap people on the wrist or at least yelling at them that they're going to slap them on the wrist. There still are no real answers. We kind of are going in circles here in a lot of ways where there's not an answer, as you said, and that it it's it's adjusting, as Mike Bray talked about, the Notre Dame basketball coach, of at some point stop complaining and either get on with it one way or the other and figure it out the best way that you can do it at the school you're at. I guess my question is, how long does this news cycle last where we just continue to have this conversation? I mean, what what is going to happen for either an adjustment to people just accepting it for change, for whatever does come in the next 6, 12, 18 months, 3 months, whatever time period you want to put on it? Because I do feel like in some ways we're just on a carousel having the same conversations over and over and over. Well, we are, but it's – I mean, not to get political, but and not us. Just the no. I mean, it, it's there is no solution in this very article. When Ross Dellinger asked Lane Kiffin, "What's the answer?" and the following is not a criticism of Lane, but he doesn't have an answer. Nick Saban doesn't have an answer. They want Congress to handle it. What in the world makes you think Congress is going to handle this? I mean, Congress can't handle anything. They're going to handle this. Where they're going to walk in and Congress is going to somehow control how much colleges. How much collectives pay a kid? How the, I mean, in fairness to Congress, words I didn't think I'd say today. How are they going to do that? How, how precisely do you do that? And you have all these coaches that they don't – look, just because you're a head football coach doesn't mean you understand how government works. Sure. just means you understand football. I mean, antitrust legislation and antitrust uh, laws and things like that. I mean, it's, 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 Greg Sankey has been going to Congress for how many years now? Asking for regulation. They, they have no appetite for this. The IRS, I don't know how. I just can't see them really getting involved to a level to change anything. They're not. And most of the collectives are already taking the taxes out. Yeah, they handle that on the front end. Or the amount of money, ones. or the amount of money in an NIL deal is so small that it, frankly it wouldn't really catch the eye of. But the big deals, 
the big or handle anything like five figures and up is and we've got deals with Frank I'm very frank here we've got deals with players that are four figure deals I guess we have one that's a five figure deal or I don't know but all of that's getting taxed the the collective is handling that on the front end right uh we've had people I've had people at Ole Miss tell me they sit down and and they go over all this in the paperwork they're helping the kids with the taxes I don't I frankly I don't think the IRS things are a real big deal no, there have been a lot of precautions to really keep that out of whatever. There's no doubt about that. That that has not been something that is that is engaged to that to that level. Um, <clears throat> we'll get into the other part of football in a second. Um, I guess we'll do, we'll, we'll do it after the break. Sorry, I was getting a little off on my time a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about Thamel's thing in a second. Uh, Dellinger with some other stuff on that topic as well. So we'll stay with college football. Give us one second. First, two about Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's N-E-Spark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, portal controls, network security, and much more. So call the office for details here in Lafayette County. Again, that is 662-238-3159. Uh, we're also brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services. Don't be fooled by the couple of days of cool weather. The heat's coming. You want to make sure that uh, air conditioning system is in tip-top shape, ready to roll, ready to uh, meet the demand. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer at 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call 662-429-4429 for the people at Southern. College Corners, your one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In uh, Ridgeland, it's next to Fleet Feet. In Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram with the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. We're also brought to you by Pinnacle, home of the Pinnacle 401k advisory services team. Get in touch with them. They'll conduct a complimentary, no-obligation benchmarking and analysis of your current 401k plan. It's mypinwealth.com. M-Y-P-I-N-N Wealth.com. Also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. He's part of Virtuoso, which is a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values, unique benefits, simply not available to other travelers. Get in touch with John, give him some parameters, give him a budget, and he will help you create a uh, special trip that uh, makes a lifetime of unique memories. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. Uh, Opa is Oxford's newest restaurant on the historic square. Euros, wraps, kebabs, redfish, lamb chops, handcrafted cocktails, frozen libations, an amazing candlelit patio and more. All at 306 South Lamar, just south of the square courthouse in Oxford. And we're brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a Complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. I'll have a mailbag up later today, maybe much later today. Uh, it's brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, and you can reach her at 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. 
Podcast is brought to you by Prime Shrimp, primeshrimp.com. Five flavors to choose from, the signature, the French Quarter Alfredo that you uh, are very aware of. Also, they're uh, the three newest ones. They've got the Louisiana Shrimp Boil, the Simply Shrimp, which allows you to season it yourself. It's a great for kids or you have people who uh, you need a little different uh, spices on that selection. Or the Garlic Herb Butter, one, very popular new one that you can uh, make shrimp scampi out of, put it over pasta, veggies, rice. Whatever it is that you like there with garlic herb butter. So give it a shot. $20 off your first order with MPW. Makes quick lunches, salads, and much more. So restaurant restaurant quality shrimp. So ship directly to your door. Again, code MPW. That's primeshrimp.com. So let me correct myself. In fairness to Lane, he was asked, is there a solution to this? And he actually gave an answer. Um, he said, the thing that seems simple is that there's a cap. How are we not a professional sport? What is the difference? Players are making money. They can opt into free agency. We're a professional sport, and they are professional players. Contracted employees without contracts. They can get out whenever they want. And how is it not being seen that unless there are changes of rules around caps and contracts? How is every elite college player not at the end of their season entering the portal? Let's be realistic. In professional sports, if you are the agent of a player and the player can opt into free agency and come back to where they want after testing the waters, who says, no, I'm not going to do that unless there's a penalty? Why did Bryce Young not go into the portal? If you're advising Bryce Young, why do you not go into the portal and walk into Nick Saban's office and say, hey, I want to be here, but I've got to protect myself, so I'm going to go into the portal and I want to come back as long as it's matched with what I get out there. The kid would make 10 times what he would have made. How's that? not going to happen all the time it should it will wow i mean his answer is caps he mentions the employee thing but they're not employees unless they're contracted employees yes it, it they've just there's just a million miles to go before this thing to that takes so many extra steps to put the speed limit sign on the new highway You've got to agree to the speed limit. And so if Ole Miss and South Carolina and Kentucky and Arkansas are saying, hey, 75 should be the speed limit. And Alabama's going, nah, it should be 100. And A&M's going, screw that, man. I've got this. This car goes 200 miles an hour. It's awesome. Make the speed limit 200. If you can't keep up, you can't keep up. That's your problem. Get a better car. Why should I slow down? How do you get all those people on the same page? You're about to add Texas and Oklahoma into it. Oklahoma's like, yeah, we can go about 110. Texas is like, we'll go 200. Let's go. We got, have you seen this Lamborghini? Hell, our players. Damn, makes a good point. Even if it's a cow, they're still under the table deals. I mean, you, you, you hear about deals every day that are some combination of over and under. You do, but if you, but if, if an under the table deal gets exposed, right? You're busted. We're oh, back. Yeah, sure. we're, we're back to the same conversation we've had. The taking it under the t- off the, from under the table and putting it on top of the table has changed the game. People willing to do it, the whole deal. Yeah, sure. It's changed the game. You have now have people that want to be the guy, like that guy at Florida, like that guy at Miami, who wants to be the guy that everybody goes up to on Saturday after the Gators or the Hurricanes win a big game and go, "Hey, man, you did this." It's totally different. We talked about this. If you're the jewelry store in Birmingham, got to be careful with over the table because you might lose business. Yeah, you'll do some under the table stuff, but 
Can't write that off on taxes. A lot of this is right. You can write this off. This is it. It's it's totally different. I get it. I get it that it's the same. JM, I do. I, it, it it is, but it's not. It's different. It it is. It has flipped the script. And they do rarely get exposed. I get it, but there's the threat of being exposed. What do you make of these schedule models? Um, I hear that everyone's really split on them. Um, you have some people that want to do the seven and one. We have one permanent opponent, and then you just rotate seven. I, I don't think that's what TV wants, which is why ultimately I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, I think the six and three is probably more realistic. You get the, the, the TV people get a bigger menu of games, obviously. And uh, you get to maintain more of the rivalries that the schools want and that TV wants. And um, I'm guessing that's what happens. And you still would play the 15 other teams over a couple years. Yeah, that's Sankey's. You're still getting every in, in theory. Everybody would make every road trip over a four year period. That's Sankey's thing, and I don't think he's willing to budge on this. I think that's what he's going to be telling them and Destin next week is that he does not like this deal where you know we'll say Ole Miss goes to South Carolina and then they don't go back there for 13 years or 12 years or whatever it is. Yeah, 12. He he wants them to go back within every four. He he wants you know. He wants Florida to go through Texas routinely, not once every 12 years. Well, and that makes sense. I mean, you don't need more than three permanents where you have some situation with every team. I mean, getting three is fine. Frankly, two would probably be okay, but three is certainly okay. Yeah, and I, I don't know the math on this. Someone said that doing two and six is mathematically much more difficult on scheduling. Okay. I, I don't know how that works. I mean, I'm I, that's that's not my cup of tea. Um well, because you're you're overlapping who play, it, it, it creates a different level of strength of schedule because you you're going three years or one. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an odd number. But let's because you're trying to get to fifteen. Let's be real here. We're approaching the year here pretty soon where TV will dictate who does what. Um, you know. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, where they're going to say, well, here's what we want, and and they want more conference games. They want more menu to put out there. That's what they're going to. I anticipate. I anticipate them going to nine conference games. And a 3-6 model Ole Miss would play, say, State, LSU, and Vanderbilt every year and then rotate that's the, the other six. That's the rumor as to who their permanent opponents would be. And you can't make everybody happy in this, right? I mean, someone's going to get screwed. Someone's not going to get a game they want. You know, like I, I've seen some of the models out there, like Florida and Tennessee, which has been a big rivalry over the last – however long, a long damn time, it's a big game to those two schools. That game would no longer be an annual game. Oh, Tennessee would not be one of Florida's. Right. Okay. You know, so, you know, like you think about, I mean, Ole Miss, Auburn has played each other every year for ever, and that would no longer be an annual game. Ole Miss, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Alabama, games that we're used to seeing on the schedule every single year would no longer always be on the schedule. 
Um, and so there are schools that are, view some of those games as, as losses, and obviously. But, you know, I'm talking about gate and stuff, not loss on the scoreboard, but games that make season tickets attractive. We've talked about the difficulty of selling tickets. You, you, want, you want to make sure if you're at South Carolina that you have the right permanent opponents where every year and, then, and the games come through where it's, it's easy to sell tickets. Because it's not as easy to sell tickets today as it was before. And we're about to go into a season where inflation's off, off the charts. Gas prices are out of control. You know that's going to come up at, hey, we've got to make sure this is a product that's that's fan-friendly because it's it's going to be even more convenient here now for fans to stay home than it was for fans to go to games. We've talked about this forever. The SEC will just put a, something in place by the time it matters. I, and, and I get being proactive, and I'm sure it will be a topic in Destin this week. But the scheduling when they go to 16, you've got you've got a full year before it even sort of becomes relevant. There's no real rush here. No, no, there's no rush. Um, the the bigger topic in, in Tamil's piece was about the SEC, and I think this is more of just a threat from the bully pulpit than it is a real thing. Mm-hmm. But the SEC going, you know what? If you clowns can't get on the same page on some of this stuff, we'll just we'll just hold our own playoff. We'll have an eight-team playoff of SEC teams. TV will take it. You guys will watch it. Everybody will talk about it. We'll we'll just do an eight-team playoff. We can do it by one eight, or we can do it by east west. We can whatever. We'll do that, and our champ can play somebody or not. I thought that was the most interesting thing was the SEC basically saying in Tamil's piece, we're free to break off on our own here. Oh, and don't forget, everybody, um, we've got Disney over here willing to make more pie as long as they approve of the teams. We can expand. I mean, Tamil's piece yet again mentioned the the Pac-12 grant of rights expiring in 2023. I mean, that's not – he didn't throw that in because he had a word count. His bosses didn't go, hey, Pete, make sure you get over 2,700 words. And he wasn't sitting there at 2,641 going, well, this paragraph will get me there. He put that in for a reason. But you think it's veiled threat more than a plan. I think. I don't know. What what does Disney want? They won an SEC quarterfinal tournament? Played on campuses? I don't know. I mean, Pete even mentioned the ACC in that story about how difficult it would be to get out of contracts, but he mentions the ACC. I don't think that was to fill a word count. He's obviously hearing something. I've said this on the board. If I'm hearing something, then you know Pete Thamel's hearing it. He's, what, 22,608 times more connected than I am? Right. I mean, he's mentioned it twice in a month now. He's just not he's not throwing that out for his for his health. He knows something. Not throwing it out for a trial balloon either. Nah, he doesn't have to do that. It's just reporting. I mean he's putting that he's putting that in in print so that when something happens He can point back. He can circle back and link that story into his new one and say this has been something that's been talked about for a long time. And here's proof. I promise you he has those links uh, saved in a document somewhere. He's ready to roll. 
What's your gut on when it goes beyond 16? The end of the 2023 season. Beyond 16, the end of 2023. Oh, well, I mean, when technically, yeah. Because technically, Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC now. They're just not playing yet. Right. But they're in. Sure. So, I mean, technically, I, it, I don't know, but at, at 2025, I anticipate there will be more than 16 teams in the league. And if you get enough teams, Chase, you can break apart and do your own damn thing, and TV will cover it. And it is about money. I mean, the head coach for Ole Miss just said, we're a professional sport with professional players. So the whole amateur model thing, just because you've always had this amateur model doesn't mean that you have to continue to have an amateur model. You can break away and go, hey, we're, a pro, we're pro sports. There's more money in it for us if we do it this way. Because of the other conferences needing the relevance, though, because of what the SEC is putting together from a team standpoint, wouldn't they have to find some way to follow suit and play your champion under that type of situation? I, I, I mean, you would think, but look look at how much they've pushed back on the 12-team playoff where they were guaranteed a seat at the table, and they didn't take it. Right now, there are two relevant leagues. Two. Two. The SEC and the Big Ten. Nothing else is relevant. Because this would also force the Big Ten to go beyond their numbers. And, and I think they're ready to do it. I mean, there's that's been rumored, too. I mean, there's with specific teams as to who would join the, the Big Ten. Why did the Big Ten say no to Kansas? Because they got somebody better. And you think it's out west? Yeah. It's Washington. It's Oregon. It's big-name schools. Stanford makes sense in the Big Ten. Sure. I mean, go down the Big Ten roster. and you can, It's easy to go who makes sense, who doesn't make sense. And we can do it right now. Washington makes sense. Washington State does not. Oregon makes sense. Oregon State does not. Cal probably doesn't make sense. Stanford, maybe so. UCLA, I'm not sure. Now you're starting to get into where would UCLA fit? Utah, nope. Colorado, nope. Nope. Arizona, Arizona State, that's it. Yeah, I mean – USC makes sense in the SEC. USC makes sense in the Big Ten. Probably be a bidding war for them. I don't know about. I don't know enough about Arizona State. It gets mentioned all the time, and I don't know whether that's just because it's the Phoenix. That feels weird, though, doesn't it? it? It a little bit. I don't know if it's because it's the that market. I know that the SEC has always had an infatuation with uh, with Virginia Tech, for example, and I've always thought that didn't make a lot of sense, but I know that's been there. But look, you add enough teams that the TV people approve of and start just scheduling amongst yourselves, you're already admitting you're a pro sport. Well, pro sports do what generates the most revenue. The NFL doesn't go, hey, you know what would be cool is if we played the Argonauts this week. No, no, they keep playing NFL teams. I mean, they do. They, they, they. Hey, let's. You know, we'll do a deal with Amazon. Sure, you want to show a game? Absolutely, we're in. Uh, they, they do what's best to generate the most revenue. Why? If you're college and you're getting away from the, 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 facade, if you will, of the um, academic slash amateur model. Why the hell, Chase? Would you not do it this way? 
What do you think the TV would rather have, a quarterfinal game between Ole Miss and Tennessee or, or, or Ole Miss versus App State? Well, I mean, look, that's the complete hardball of this is the Big Ten and the SEC just get together and go, hey, we're both going to do whatever and we're going to do this and our – we're going to take two and you take two or we'll take four and you take two or we'll just play the champions or however you want to do the damn thing. Of so, course. That's, well, that's, that's I'm telling you, that's where I yeah. think it's headed, where you have an SEC Super the League. SEC four plays the Big Ten four, two, one, whatever. I don't or know, whatever. And maybe during the course of the season, you do have one week that's the Big Ten SEC challenge or some shit. I don't know. Ole Miss plays they'll Illinois, Alabama. Of course they'd watch it. Do you watch it when the Bengals play the yeah. Rams? Yeah. I mean, you know. You're a Saints fan, and the Falcons game means more. But you watch it when the Saints play the Chargers. Yeah, Give me a break. Right. I mean, it's where we're headed, and that's where the money is. And if you're the TV people and you're like, you want us to pay this incredible amount of money, we want some control over the menu. We don't want Alabama Mercer anymore. But I tell you what we'll take. I tell you what would be good. What about Alabama Ohio State? Because we'd sign up for that. And that's where this is going. And the, the other schools that get left out, I guess they form an inferior league and they kind of become the USFL or something. I, 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 it is what it is. Well, I mean, Ron makes a good point, though. We, we talk about all this, but the Big Ten is the one that decided to jump in with the Pac-12 and the ACC and get an alliance and do all this. Yeah, crap. but the alliance I mean, has nothing in writing. They could break out of the alliance as fast as a kid who's committed someplace could go, hey, uh, I decommitted. Please respect my decision. No interviews. But it never really made sense for them to do it anyway, I guess is what I'm saying. It, like, it, it didn't. But it, it, it also never meant much. And it sure didn't include a, a financial commitment of any sort. It did not. I mean, it was – I've used this – It was an, cute. Uh, it was cute. It was kind of like two people that are both kind of down on their luck a little bit in their 20s, and they look at each other and go, okay, if you're not married at 40 and I'm not married <laughs> at 40, we'll both get married. We'll marry each other. Okay, cool. I mean – the odds of that happening, really slim. Like, virtually none. It just means nothing. It's cute. Makes you feel good at the moment. Hey, we're in this together. Wagon up to the Pac-12 right now feels about as full as full arrogant as it can get. No one's doing it. I mean, again, Thamel's not writing that twice in a month for his health. And if you're, if you're, if you're USC right now, why do you reconnect with the Pac-12? With no promise? They don't have a great TV deal. Frankly, they have no TV deal after 2023. Mm-hmm. No one appears. No one appears to be in a great rush to sign them up either. The playing off the thread here, they would have to stop scheduling all these games ahead of time. They have to buy people out. They have to get moved, but. The lack of an SEC Big Ten week that is just standing every year is such a loss of revenue. Of where course. you don't just go week four is when we do this. Of course, and this this satisfies the non conference. If you want to play more, great. But here's what we're doing. Of course, and the and the home team. But it also comes back to the schools being so obsessed over win loss record. I mean, we talked about this several months ago. That is one of the main things that has to happen here. Is ads are going to have to get away from going. Oh my God! Even if we play crap teams, eight and four is so much better than seven and five. Well, but if you go to an expanded playoff where the SEC goes, hey, eight of our teams are going to the uh, the internal playoff. Well, now it doesn't really matter as much anymore. You want to play more games. Yeah. If you're going to be a professional sport and the people inside the sport are going to openly say that you're professional and you're openly paying your players, a lot of the stuff that's always built 
the it's it's gone. It's over. It's no longer relevant. Yeah. And yeah, you could and and it's so easy to do that. How would you do it? Well, if a game was played, let's say it's Auburn and Iowa. And the game's played at Auburn, ESPN's got it. Games played in Iowa City, Fox has it. Simple. Half of them, half of them in Big Ten, half of them in SEC. Everybody wins. It's just one week. It's like a damn fiesta. Everybody would get, everybody would get into it, and everybody would watch those games because he would. ESPN at the little scoreboard up all day. SEC three, Big Ten one, yep. Big Ten four, SEC three. Yep. It's just not complicated. To the seven o'clock nightcap that is Wisconsin and Florida finishing it up. Sure, it is. sure, whatever it is, all day. Maybe yeah, put Ohio one. State and Bama six thirty tonight. Who's not watching? Be college football smorgasbord. If anything, if 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 the it would be like bowl season, but we'd actually give a crap. Frankly, I would be the guy in the room that would go, "Hey, the only thing about this that I don't like is with that many good games, getting people to actually come to the games is going to be hard because they're going to want to watch on TV. We got to make sure oh, that well. we've got to make sure our in stadium stuff has access to those games where we're keeping people updated. We got to make sure our Wi Fi is working great. Mm-hmm. That. But other than that, there's no negative. No, no. Yeah. Uh, podcast brought to you in part by Johnson Hill Creamery. JohnsonHillCreamery.com. They have announced their next uh, cheese class, summer cheese class, during this hands-on class. You'll learn tips and tricks to plan, prep, and style a beautiful charcuterie and cheese board. Refreshments and snacks are included. And your finished board will be boxed up for you to take home and enjoy later. Class size limited to 12 people, so get on it immediately. That's 662-419-9201. Or email cheese at johnsonhillcreamery.com. They make all their cheeses locally and in-house every single day on White Oak Lane here in Oxford. Again, that's 662-419-9201. Brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency, connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. Um, whether you're seeking an entry-level position or you're a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board for you. Also, if your company is looking for hard to find talent, quality, hard-to-find talent, service specialists can help you as well. Uh, keep in mind that payment of service is solely contingent on if you decide to hire a candidate that they send. You have nothing to lose, so give Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call at 662-832-5138 or check out their new and improved website, servicespecialistltd.com. We're brought to you by The Rogue. It's your destination for fine men's clothing. They're stylists, hand-select pieces from top designers from work to lifestyle to nightlife. There's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, and more. It's 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or therogue.com. Don't just accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward and chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental is helping people reinvent themselves one smile at a time. Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative state-of-the-art procedures including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile. So call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth. Let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment financing available at CorinthDental.com. Also brought to you by Bell & Grove. It's a logistics provider based out of Chattanooga. It has more than 35 years of transportation industry experience. They specialize in domestic freight movement. Throughout the continental U.S., they can navigate through supply chain issues while also leaning on their partner carriers to get the most competitive rate possible 
for their customers. In addition, Bell & Grove can help customers design a custom solution for their shipping needs. Whether your business is in need of moving a truckload, a partial shipment, or a flatbed, Bell & Grove can accommodate you. They provide both air and ground expedited services for customers who need to move product quickly. For more information, call Daryl Oliver at 865-672-6557. And we're brought to you by Southern Traditions Farm. It's a 68-acre, 32-stall, upscale equestrian training and boarding facility in Canton, Mississippi. Two sand rings, a grass ring, miles of wooded trails. They also have camp season starting on uh, Monday, May the 31st, uh, going through uh, throughout the month of June, Monday through Friday, 830 to 2. Get in touch with Susan Walt and the people there at Southern Traditions Farm uh, by going on Facebook or Instagram at Southern Traditions Farm. And we're also brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford, just across from Kroger. The freshest cuts uh, of meat you'll find anywhere, whether it's beef, pork, chicken, uh, fish, um, house-made sausages, jalapeno poppers, stuffed mushrooms, and more. It's all fantastic at LB's. Make sure that you tell Greg and the people at LB's that you heard about them here on the podcast when you stop in. I need We need to talk to Mintz and see... A, what exactly, because I haven't, I haven't listened to the video, exactly what all happened prior to getting to it with the Whistler last night. He uh, he did, however, it was set up pretty well because he had multiple video cameras on him, so credit to him. If you're going to do that, let's go ahead and document it and put it on the internet and see what happens. Um, but I watched as, because this is what happens, um, and sorry for anybody, Ben Mintz went uh, and got on the, uh, the Whistler last night, called him a disgrace to... Uh, the sport of baseball, at least. I know I heard at least that, that portion of it. But what happens with the whistler is if you even look in his direction, he starts calling the police on you immediately. Everybody around him starts screaming at you. They become much more belligerent than anyone can be toward him. And uh, Mintz did one hell of a job of not getting thrown out last night because I saw multiple security members with him. And he was, I mean, he was waving hands and he was babbling away and he was trying to explain his way out of it. And he got to stay. So I'm usually at that point, you're removed no matter what your argument is. I, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with whatever he was able to do last night to, uh, to stay, uh, to stay in that inside that game and not get thrown out of the park because it, it looked like he was a goner there. Whenever that was, I kind of gleaned down from the from the press box and it looked like it was over there. But <laughs> I did not think the whistler was annoying last night as he usually is because there was only one in versus two last night. It was not the main one that drives me insane. Um, there's two whistlers. Oh yeah, there's 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 been two whistlers typically. One gets all the pub, but they and they sit in different areas so you hear it like crisscrossing you. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 obnoxious. It, it's beyond obnoxious. Frankly, it's something that I don't see how Vanderbilt fans have become okay with it. If they are, I don't either. You could stop it. You could go down and say, "Hey, sir, you're you're disrupting people's experience. We're asking mm-hmm. you to stop." I mean, I know in Omaha he sits in certain places so he will get heard on the microphones on ESPN. I can't stand him. He makes me he's he's enough to make me cheer against Vanderbilt even though that, <laughs> even though my favorite player in the league plays for Vanderbilt. I mean, I'm telling you they they 
they kind of make me laugh, but they do so many small annoying things that it is so easy to get to hate them. It the, is like the, I, I, the sitting I, I in the it. Indian circle out in left field or right field yeah. halfway through the game is. <laughs> I don't know All what the calisthenics. I don't know what it is about that with me that would make me want to start throwing at people. Oh really? Yes. The coming out while while coming out and sitting in left field or sitting in right field in their little circle and doing their little game, like where they play ring around the rosy or whatever the hell it is that they do is completely obnoxious that, that I'm throwing at the next guy. I, I just am. And throwing behind him, I'm making it obvious. I know. And maybe that's just me being a little old school, but I don't like that. So it would bother you if your team inherited that, yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. You're hinting at something? No, I was just thinking. I was trying to think who, who all's been. I was just kind of running through the does, list a little bit. Does Louisville do all that stuff? Uh, No. They they will do some things to kind of try to annoy you, but it's not in that. No, it's not to that level. Yeah. Vanderbilt's obnoxious in what they're trying to do. No, Dan runs mics. Pre-game, in-game system. For the most part. I mean, obviously, anybody's going to take some tweaks and do some things. But, I mean, I'm telling you, it looks like synchronized baseball when they're on the field together. It's like, I don't mind bat flips, but I don't love them. You want to keep them within reason, certainly. Yeah, I mean, if I'm managing a team... So, you, you're, see, Neil's back to justifying Tony Vitello's actions from a few weeks ago. Oh, now look, when you throw a bat and it comes bounding into my dugout, someone's And you get, don't really care how it got there. Someone's getting, no, I mean, well, because if you just put the bat down, that doesn't happen. I'm not Team Vitello at all, but I, I understood. If you, don't, if you don't act like an asshole, you don't have a bat thrown at your dugout. Right. <laughs> so it goes, it, there's a lot there. But once you get to that point where the bat's bounding into my dugout, no, we got problems. Okay. Now, I'm not probably throwing the bat back at the Except other he team. He did just chunk it back into a group of people. <laughs> but things are going to get chippy at that point. Okay. Their odds are too high. I know how good they've been, been, but they've been human at times. They can lose games. Vegas has got them like plus 280 to win the whole thing. Yeah, that's... They're really good, though. Everyone talks about their their bats and stuff. What makes them so good is their ability on any given night to just shut you down on the mound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dollander was the SEC Pitcher of the Year. Yeah, and you could have voted for Burns. You could have voted for uh, Beam. I mean, <laughs> yeah, multiple dudes. Tidwell's out most of the year. I mean, it's been a it's been a thing. Yeah, and you know, and the kid who throws a hundred and whatever has actually started to become a pretty effective pitcher as the year's gone on. They're, yes. they're really solid. And so people go, well, their their bats might not translate to Omaha. They might not have to. No, they're, they're the clear favorite. Yeah. It's not even – the first game in Hoover is still delayed here at 10.02 as we are uh, <laughs> Man, wrapping up podcasts. I don't and know. And the weather does not look good the rest of the day. I don't know. And don't look good tomorrow either. I don't know what they're going to do. <clears throat> Vanderbilt is not playing a baseball game today. Of that, I am certain. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're not getting to a fourth game. I don't know how they get to a second game, but they don't. They sure as hell don't get to a fourth. It would have been an off day for the Rebels had they won. 
Yeah, you would have been able to go to Bonefish tonight and really camp out. You could have gotten the Bang Bang Shrimp and then gotten you a... I didn't even recommend that yesterday. <laughs> I mean, I went the whole day, had so, had multiple meals. Um, I mean, geez. Yeah. They've got a I went to look and see what the weight was, because typically when everybody starts getting to town, Bonefish has like an hour and a half wait. They've got a window in the middle of the afternoon, Chase, from about 1 until 4. And then, so there's a game, and then it gets bad. But see, that's perfect because that allows you to play that last single elimination game, and then go in tomorrow going, "Hey, we're just going to play single elimination and get out of here." You just need seven games played at that point. After that, well, the problem, the problem is that it doesn't look good until Friday. Yeah, but I can go four, two, one, and play seven games Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's see what. No one cares. I'm curious at this point, just for the chaos of it all. So the forecast for tomorrow, <laughs> actually the forecast for today is better than the forecast for tomorrow. Yeah, so you're playing, even in my, I think you get in Auburn and Kentucky today, and then I think you play single elimination games Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 4-2-1. Yep. Uh, Thursday, the forecast in Hoover is um, high of 74, chance of rain 100%. One okay. to two inches of rain expected. Uh, and then Thursday night, I guess it got, it got a chance. Isolated thunderstorms during the evening, but a chance of rain 30%. So good luck. Yeah. Good luck to all involved. Yes, they can have it. Uh, this game does mean a little to Auburn. I was told last night that they probably have to win to be a top eight seed. Um, they can't lose this one and go 0-1 against the, against the Wildcats. So that is whatever you want to make of that. And then uh, – yeah, Florida plays A&M, Arkansas plays Alabama, and Vanderbilt plays Tennessee. I think that's correct. Is that right? I'm sure. Yes, I am definitely getting out of here. I will be home before mid-afternoon, uh, not hanging out in Hoover and watching Auburn and Kentucky this afternoon. And what time's your reservation been, at the Catfish Cabin? Is it like Catfish uh, Kitchen? Catfish Kitchen, right? So you got 11.15. Cabins at Kitchen? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. They probably open up for an 11 o'clock. Were the state guys there last night? Were they protect, guarding the tournament? I did not see any state, although it, the hour that I didn't get to the stadium until 9.35, something like that. Yeah. Um, it was pretty much – I talked to a guy from Texas. He sat next to me for most of the game. He was just kind of hanging out. Um, the national riders were there, and then Ole Miss, and there was, I think, one Vanderbilt rider for the Tennessean um, is, is the only people that I, that I noticed. So, no, I did not see any Guardians. I did, however, see yesterday morning there were like three or four state tailgating tents where their fans had come over yesterday and put their, their tents up to spend the week tailgating. got to really like it. If you're, That's not how you would spend your week of vacation. <laughs> I mean, you got to really like it. If your team's not in it and you're still going to go set up a camp in, in a stormy week. Well, that's a good point. Gotta really it's like the it. thing where you just do it every year, right? It's just by God, what we do, it's our vacation. We're we're going to Hooper. I guess. I mean, LSU does that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They have fans that whatever. Sure. So. Hey, oh, vacation in Hoover that doesn't <laughs> doesn't do a lot. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't stir my soul. Um, uh, I. Look, I don't know. I would assume it's be, it's a pretty, it's a couple quiet days here again. Uh, Ole Miss will practice. They'll they'll operate normally until uh, until Monday. 
think selection show was at 11 or 11.30 on Monday. I forget which one, but that one is on ESPN2, ESPN News, something like that. So we'll uh, we'll find some topics for tomorrow. We'll be back in studio tomorrow for the uh, the Thursday podcast. And I'll uh, have some coverage later today. I'm going to try to work on a few things, figure out what all is uh, is going on on a number of fronts. So I'm uh, going to get out of here. Appreciate all you guys for hanging out in the stream. We'll be back in the morning. Again, check rebelgrove.com, rebelgrove.com in the meantime, and we'll talk to you then.